You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Geek Card Check. My name is Chris. And I'm Kate. And tonight we have a visitor from the Great White North, who also happens to be my husband. His name is Peter. Say hi, Peter. Hi, Peter. <laughs> this is fantastic. I, lo- I can tell tonight is going to go exceptionally well. I am very excited about this episode of the podcast, simply because it's, it's based on a film that I had never seen. We watched something that I had never seen. I had, no, I had no idea even existed until a week ago. So I cannot wait to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. Way to set the bar low, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that 90% of the people in the audience listening to this have, do not know anything about the movie uh, that we're going to talk about tonight. And tonight's movie is called Pontypool. Now, Pontypool is very interesting. You know, here, here's the reason why we chose this film. Now, it is, as they call this year for some reason, it's spooky season, right? It's Halloween mm-hmm. season. And for some reason, ooh. ooh, yes, every year around this time, people have a need to watch horror movies. And uh, we, Such freaks. Such freaks. And so, but we were thinking, Kate and I were brainstorming. Tyler is not here for the next couple of weeks. He just got married. Uh, congratulations again, Tyler. Um, so, we were discussing what we should do during this time of, of spooky season. And Kate recommended that we watch a horror movie. Now that surprised me because the last mm. time I recommended a horror movie, Kate, um, how should I describe it? It wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And <laughs> I didn't want to go through that pain again of me forcing Kate to do something that I had a feeling she probably would not like all that much. So yeah. I had a, I thought it was a stroke of genius, Kate. I really did. Mm. I said, why don't you have your husband choose a movie? And then if, if you hate it, it's not my fault. And that's what happened tonight. Yeah, well, he's been feeling a bit smug because, you know, this is actually the third horror film that he has recommended to me. All right. That, um, Joe, I don't want to give away where I'm going to go with this, but I did not okay. have a bad reaction to it. Oh, okay. All right. So the, you're saying you didn't have a bad reaction to Pontypool. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I so he's think, three for three. I, I think this is simply because, you know, you, you guys are still in the honeymoon phase um, and he can do no wrong. And so... Peter, <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Was it not so <laughs> Peter, Peter, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for being on the podcast tonight. I'm excited. Why in the world did you choose... Pontypool without giving anything away like what what is your background of this movie it's it seems to be fairly obscure to me anyway what why did you choose this to tell myself and Kate to watch and also to discuss on this podcast what is up with Pontypool well what is up with Pontypool is the director first and foremost when I sat down to watch Pontypool the first time I had no idea what kind of movie I was going to be watching Yep. But Bruce McDonald is one of a handful of really great Canadian directors that probably no one outside of Canada has heard of. And if he does a movie, I'm going to watch it. That being said, um, since I knew that you guys wanted a horror movie for your spooky season podcast episode, I thought this would be a perfect one to recommend, especially for Kate, because uh, primarily it's just such a clever movie. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Clever is a very good word to describe. It is, it is, um, it is filled with metaphor. Uh, and for, as I began to watch this movie, I realized this is a movie for word nerds. Uh, if you love language, you probably are. And, I, and of course, for those of you who may be listening to the podcast for the very first time, Kate is a librarian. Um, yep. And so I, I'm guessing, Kate, you would describe yourself as a lover of words. Is this correct? Yep. Okay. That's not a stretch. <laughs> so this movie, not to give anything away, um, is, is very interested in the power of spoken language in particular. Um, I kind of think of it like the movie Arrival, where language mm, was like about time travel and stuff. This is like the horror movie of language. Yes, I was, I, I was going to talk about Arrival. In fact, I was going to bring that up to you guys this evening in our, in our more spoilery section, because I think, um, in my opinion, Arrival mm -hmm. does it a thousand times better than this movie, but well, this movie yeah. is, is, is not trying to do what Arrival was trying to do. Um, not at all. It, it's hard to even compare those two things. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there with you. Okay. So we both watched, we all three of us, we, well, we all watched Pontypool again. Uh, is that correct? Did we refresh ourselves over the last maybe week or so? Okay. I've now seen it twice. So yes. Oh, twice. You, you Wow. Twice. I watched it the, uh, earlier in the week whenever Peter and I watched it together. And then I wound up uh, rewatching it this afternoon while doing dishes because yeah, second watch, you notice more stuff. So Peter, before we dive in, do you want to, well, actually, let's do this. I think it's more interesting. Let's see what, what Kate says, thinks about the movie. I want to hear her thoughts. Then I'll give my thoughts. And then Peter, you can correct us with your thoughts because obviously there's, you, you have an affinity toward this thing. So I, I think it's, it, it, it's more interesting that way. And then we can create a conversation there. So Kate, what did you think about Pontypool? So Pontypool um, as a horror film did not, with the exception of two points but really one uh trip up most of my problems with horror mm. and so that was automatically made it watchable for me which is like a low bar but you know it's watchable that's right absolutely but yeah so um it is very psychological and that's more the range of horror that i can do but it's not the kind where um it, it's not leaning into, um, it, it's high concept. It's not just leaning into the disgusting, the gross, oh, there is a scene there that that was, but it wasn't the whole way throughout. It wasn't about the violence. It wasn't an action thriller. I wound up really investing in the movie uh, because it's high concept. It's really interesting and it got yeah. me thinking and I was trying to predict where things were going next. And before long, I was fully involved in this film that is very much a simple film in its its setting and its characters it doesn't go all over the place but it really minds deeply um what it does do and i found it really enjoyable yeah yeah i think i agree with you on everything that you just said um when it comes to the first act of this movie um mm -hmm. i think it does a great job of setting things up for me um, very interesting, very, um, uh, like you said, high concept. Uh, it's, 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 it, it is, it, it almost for me, this movie doesn't take place in reality. It feels much mm. more like a metaphor that there is, there is a it's surreal. Yeah. It's a very, it's very, it's, it, it's meant for you to, in my opinion, not actually take literally. There are some movies that are made 
that are more artsy in that way. And that this movie is very interested in, you have to suspend your disbelief a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like you really do have to get on board for the, the, the concept of, of what it's trying to, to, to do. And if you're there, it's great. Um, you know, it, I think the execution of the actual um, thing that's happening doesn't quite get there for me. It didn't quite land. It didn't quite get the landing, you know, right. It, mm-hmm. it tripped a little bit on its kind of uh, kind of conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. But the ultimate conclusion, the in credit sequence is brilliant. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I cannot the, wait to hear what you thought of that. The moment that happened, I wish, I wish this movie would have been more of that if I'm being fully honest, because Ooh. what it did for me it almost seemed like in the movie, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it almost seemed like they didn't know how far they wanted to take the metaphor. They wanted to mm-hmm. only go so far. And then, but that last sequence, they're like, no, we're going to take this thing to its whoa, way out there. This is the, this is, this is it. And I was just like, Oh, come on guys. You should have done that this entire movie. Like that is what this movie should have been. Um, if I I'm understanding what Peter's going to tell you for that though, because I, I can see the answer on his <laughs> face and Yes. So I, I just think they were a little timid is all is what I'm saying is they wanted the audience to be with them. I would have rather, this is a weird movie. I would have rather it had been weirder. I wish you would I just wish they would have just head head first into the concept and just gone for it. Um, so you didn't see it as a gateway movie. Gateway movie. How do you mean? Yeah. Describe that for me real quick. Gateway movie, as in you think it's a normal scene in a normal situation grounded in our reality. And by the end, you realize there's something else going on. I I think there's a moment in this movie when they start to talk about what they think it is Uh uh, or what they think is going on. And I think, in my opinion, at that movie, the movie should have broken. Like it should have just full on gone, yep, they got it right. And then just went into it. Committed. yeah, fully like the ending. Like they should have just committed to that, and it would, if to me, it would have been a better movie for it, or at least mm. pieces that. I, it's hard to do that right now. Let's I, let's let's pick this back up. We're in spoilers. Here's what I would think. I think it's a great concept. I really enjoyed the idea of it. I just don't think they executed it as well as they possibly as it was they could have. However, on the budget that they did, and the fact that it's yeah. happening in one space, great job building tension really great concept, really great ideas, really great mm. message, all mm. of these things, really great movie to talk about with your friends. Like you watch this movie and then you go out to dinner afterwards in a world without COVID and you go out to a dinner afterwards and you have conversations about it. That's the kind of movie this, that, that's, that, that yeah. is a good movie. And that's the we kind of movie. dig into it more. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes. So that's what I thought. Peter, tell us, tell us more about your relationship with Pontypool. Okay, first of all, let me start by saying that most horror movies are just boring to me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yes, there's gore and stuff, which does produce a reaction to me. I'm not a monster. Um, but for the most part, this stuff broadcasts what's coming next. You know when the next jump scare is coming. And for me, this movie did away with all of that predictability. Um, and... I was actually kind of amused when you said, Chris, that, well, this movie is not really set in reality and you really have to suspend your disbelief for it. Hmm. Tell me, 
what horror movie do you not have to suspend disbelief for? Mm. Right. Well, I I think this is this, this lives this lives in metaphor land. Um, have have, have mm-hmm. you ever have, have you ever watched Mother Darren Aronofsky's Mother? I did. Yes. I I love that movie. It's one of my favorite films. Period. Um, and okay. that is nothing but a it's an allegory. It is a it, yeah. it, it's a it's it's a you know what I mean? Like it is a full on metaphor. And if, if, if you take it seriously, you're going to have a rough time with it. If you take it as <laughs> yeah. metaphor, you think it's, in my opinion, I think it's brilliant. So continue. Okay. But anyway, I, I mean, in a sense, all horror movies can be seen as metaphors. Sure. Um, you know, Invasion yep. of the Body Snatchers was about the communist yes. scare. Yes. Um, et cetera. Sci-fi. That's um, what sci-fi is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so anyway, what, grabbed me about this movie once you know once I started watching it was just um the way it uses I mean the script is top-notch I think that that's something that we can all agree in uh the script was just brilliant um and the actors I mean they were all really really good Mm -hmm. but hand them a lesser script and it wouldn't have been as great a movie um for me watching the movie even you know this is my third or fourth time watching it, um, I felt the tension building. And yes. at one point when Kate and I were watching, it was her first watch, um, we needed to take a break for a moment. And I was like, at that break, I realized, oh yeah, okay, I can sit back in my chair now because I was, I was engrossed in the story, even though this was by no means a, a first experience for me. Yeah. Um, so for me, it really grabbed me. Um, and... I guess, yeah, in a way, it was kind of a metaphor. I mean, Grant Mazzy reminded me, uh, he's the main character, by the way, to the listeners who haven't seen the movie. He reminded me a lot of the character of Howard Beale from the movie Network mm. from the 70s. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, you've got this, uh, this person working in the broadcast industry who's got a very particular point of view. And uh, Mazzy reminded me a lot of him, especially in his rants towards the end mm-hmm. yes yeah I'm, I'm with you on that i am so anything else you want to say before we head into spoiler land because i think we'll have a much better conversation once we're in there um it helps if you know a little bit of french but you don't have to yes <laughs> there there are subtitles when needed yeah 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 definitely yeah, that that was a very interesting um, aspect to this movie. And again, we're talking about language. So let's just go ahead and jump into spoilers. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, if you have not watched Pontypool and you want to, I would recommend that you do that right now. We're going to now kind of ruin the whole thing. We're going to talk about our ideas of what in the world this movie meant. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff in here that it's just like, what? What does that even mean what are they trying to say here i've got a feeling that our our both kate and peter will have ideas i am not a linguist so i just will nod my head um (laughs) so uh yes pontypool let's dive into spoilers okay peter so here's the question here's really what i want to know is what is this movie about and and even deeper than that i want to know what this movie is trying to say it's about one thing yes what is it actually about? So, Peter, tell me these things, please. Okay. What this movie is about is language, hmm. specifically 
how language and communication and understanding function in our society, which sounds like a really weird subject for a horror movie. <laughs> well, here's the thing. In this horror movie, language spreads a, a brain sickness which turns people into zombies. Yep, and it's a zombie movie. And so what we get is, you know, about 13 hours in the day of a DJ, a radio DJ, and we just watch his morning unfold. Yeah. yeah. Life now, unravel. as to what it's... Yeah. As to what it's trying to say, well, I don't know. I was sitting there enjoying it and going, oh, cool, and making connections. But I can't talk to the intentionality of the author or anything. Well, yeah, but the, a part of art is obviously what the author in, intended, right? What he, was, what he was writing. But then there's also a part of art that is what you took away from it. And that is just mm -hmm. as important and just as powerful, right? And so what did you take away? Okay. Like, you, you might not be kind of quote unquote, there is no, when you're, when, we're, when you're looking at art, right? There is no correct way. But when you walked away, what did you take, like, what did you think the intent there was? What are you supposed to walk away and say that that's what he was saying? Okay. Well, again, I'm not going to say what I think he was trying to say, but I can talk about what I walked away from. Please. Um, this movie, I think, uh, even beyond the question of language, is about connections, how we connect to one another as human beings. And I mean, the very first interaction we have between DJ, Grant Massey, uh, and another person is over the phone, and he ends up hanging up on the guy, disconnecting. And for most of the movie, they're stuck in the basement radio station, like the basement studio of a radio station, uh, physically isolated from everybody else, and the only information they're getting is coming from either phone-ins or uh, at one point there's a broadcast. So they are physically disconnected from the rest of the world and they stay that way for most of the movie. And yet somehow there are connections being made, connections between um, the principal characters, but then also connections with the greater world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really what language is about. Language is for making connections. Yeah. I, I, I found it very interesting that the, the, the way this movie begins is um, very similar to um, uh, Fahrenheit 451, if you've ever watched the beginning of that movie, where you're just listening, you're not seeing anything. There's a, there's a, Which version? The, the 19, the, 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 not, not the new HBO <laughs> version, the, the, the old war one, the, the, the one that, I don't know when it was made, in the 60s or 70s. Yeah. But, but the way the credits, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the way the credits worked in that was because you're not allowed to read um, the, the, the credits were spoken. Um, mm. it's, it's very cool. Very, very cool. The same thing here is, is interesting is that Pontypool, when the title comes on, it actually starts with typo, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So this, this movie to I me- I caught that, yeah. The, this movie to me, at the very, the, the moment that happened, I realized, okay, this movie is gonna be about miscommunication, like not yeah. understanding what, you made a mistake, somebody took it wrong. There, yeah. the, you mentioned the very beginning of the movie, Peter. That's a very good interest. I was going to mention the other person that he meets. The very beginning of this movie mm -hmm. is him not understanding 
what someone is saying, looking like they might be even in distress, right? Uh, he, he's driving, uh, it, it's, it's snowing, a snowstorm. And there's a, there's a woman outside of the, the car saying something through glass and he's not able to understand what it is that she's saying. There's a miscommunication there. He even tells the story when he first gets in. And I found it interesting that most of the movie, our main character, Mazzy, that's his name, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Is separated yep. from the entire world by glass. Yes. Like he is, he is, he's communicating but nothing is actually getting into him. Like that, that's yeah. the thing. That's the Until thing. the world comes into the, the booth with him and forces him out. Yes, I'm taking your, your thought. Go ahead. I, I, no, 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 no. But I, you understand like that, that idea really, like I, I love that. Like that, that kind of like attention was very well sprinkled. Like he is, he's able to communicate. He's able to let others know, but almost everything else from the outside world is, completely misunderstood there's a miscommunication or mm -hmm. even like straight up lies like yep. he realizes that the uh whatever the, the sunshine um cop chopper sunshine chopper yeah or whatever it doesn't isn't real like uh, everything that he like it's a very interesting um a very interesting place uh, uh yeah the end to see so anyway th those are the things that i saw kate tell us a little bit about kind of where some of the things that you picked up on or saw in the movie that that excited you. yeah there's a couple threads i want to trace which really take off from what you guys started with one of which is the responsibility of media because he is the voice of this small town and letting people know who are not in the thick of things what is going on theoretically interpreting it he's trying to interpret the reality but there's this giant question of what is a hoax and what is real and until things start getting really bad with oral in you're not entirely sure that they're not being pranked and he has a whole big meltdown scene when he realizes they're not being pranked and he's kind of wishing that they're being pranked and so what is a hoax and what is real it's further amplified by that hilarious scene where uh bbc reaches out to them and wants mm -hmm. to uh, uh, get uh, direct answers about what's going on on the ground. And the BBC dude, like, he is representative of the sort of mega mainstream media version. And he's got such a distorted version of things that we don't know what's real, what he's trying to push. And it just, um, it, it proves further disconnect uh, there as well. But, of, but he yes. ends up being right, though. Like that, that, right, that but we piece. don't know that at that point. Right. No, no, I know. I, I know, I know, yes. I agree, but, 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 but that is, that is very interesting is, is that the people closest to the, 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 the issue can don't tell have the, the information. Least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the other thread I wanted to trace into that is we make reality with words and that's literally what's happening on a meta level of this story a lot of the story could have been a radio drama that you listen to without seeing and this entire world is created with words because we don't see the vast majority of what's going on outside we do have the points where uh, the people actually come into the building who are infected but up to that point we don't have anything that proves to us that this is actually real besides the weird what happened with laurel and no projectile vomit that was fun <laughs> yeah exactly well i mean and, and in that point, there is another fairly uh, famous radio drama in which <laughs> people of the worlds. Yes, so exactly. there, there was a lot That's of those, nice. a lot of those, like you know, callbacks of of that, the feels of that. How about Absolutely. you, Peter? Well, and, and 
anything else kind of uh, interesting things that you noticed or picked up on that you were like, Oh my gosh, that is, I, I, you know, that's crazy. Well, well, yeah, uh, a number of times throughout the movie, you actually had the characters questioning what is real. Um, and, uh, what, uh, kind of first twigged me to that, um, on the first rewatch this time around was, uh, in the end credits, you hear, um, like, while the credits are rolling, you hear various voices either reporting on it or giving commentary. And there's one snippet from somebody who, look, I knew Mazzy. And what he would want us to do is keep asking questions to find out what's really happening, to find out what is real. Right. And that reminded me then of the scene, um, kind of first third of the movie, when he's, he's getting all this information about what seems to be some kind of outbreak but he thinks he's being pranked, as you guys have mentioned, and he actually pauses and holds his hand up in front of his face and looks at it and flips it over and looks at it as if to say, am I tripping out? Yeah. Or is this actually happening? Yeah. Um, and so the whole questioning of reality, and as Kate pointed out, our language is how we construct our sense, our understanding of reality. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we are deliberately seeing these themes kind of working together and in a way, it's kind of really on point for the situation today, what with um, memes and disinformation and stuff being spread on social media or mainstream media. Um, there is a large segment of the population who just doesn't know what to believe anymore, yeah. who to trust. And so typically, you know, or maybe stereotypically, speaking as an, a Canadian viewing the things going on in the U.S. from afar, folks who have one particular ideological mindset will listen to one broadcaster. Folks with another ideological uh, mindset will listen to another broadcaster, and as mm -hmm. if they're living in two different worlds. Yeah. And what we've got in um, Pontypool is a world-building exercise. And uh, like you guys have said, it's, it's like a radio drama, and that puts the onus on the person who's watching the movie to create the world based on what they're hearing just yeah. like old school radio dramas theater of the mind so let me ask you this so if this is a this is merely a a movie like you can take this as like a story explain to me how the sickness actually works because for me that's where i just that that was when i was talking earlier about um you know having to just uh give up your disbelief as as much as you possibly can. That's the part that is, I feel like I understand the idea of it, but I think the, the, the mechanics of it don't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. And I don't think they're supposed to in, from what I can understand, but maybe they do, maybe they do have a logical deal from what I understood. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. There is a trigger word that occurs. And once you understand it to mean what it's supposed to mean, it infects you. And then that, the moment it infects you, you just, you fixate on that one thing, right? So that, that's the metaphor is that like, you see something like you were just saying, Peter, on social media, and you just take it to be reality, you take it to, to mean, even if it's not, even if it's a fake news, it, but you fix on it and fixate on it. And then your entire demeanor changes based on false information, misunderstanding a word. You just get fixated on that one thing. And that's what it sounded like to me is we, we, we get fixated on this one thing and then we become something completely different than we were before. Um, 
And then the way that it's solved at the very end, or if he's able to heal it or combat it, is to then break the understanding of that word altogether. In other words, if mm-hmm. I've if I've understood, I th- what, what is the the it's kill is kiss, right? Kill is kiss. Um, and so, like, you change the meaning of the word. Not it can't be something. And he even says this: it can't be something related to. It can't be the opposite of because we know that it it needs to be something completely and totally obscure. Um, you you need to take something that does not make sense together and then connect an idea, which is the powerful bit, with a, a new word, and then you've broken the the concept. Is that what I'm now, understanding? Just to interject a little bit, um, the point is made throughout the movie, or at least once we get rolling, that this only seems to work in English. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. French is not affected. When Dr. Mendez starts showing so- like symptoms, he switches to another language. Actually, no, it's Armenian. Um, and then he gets very excited because he realizes that the symptoms have gone away yeah. once he is no longer speaking and thinking in English. And now, of course, to the other two folks who are left in the building, they're looking at him. He's babbling incomprehensibly, and he's really excited because he's made this great discovery. But to them, he looks like a raving lunatic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's key to remember that it's not that it's not um, it, that it's only in English that the understanding connection. Uh, is the infection vector. And yeah, I see what you mean, Chris, about how that does require a bit of suspension of disbelief. Yes. But um, as as I understand it from the movie, and again, our source of information for this understanding comes from the doctor, Dr. Mendez, but he's not necessarily a, a reliable source either. No, no. Yeah, one but of the things I wrote down is the do way we he trusts the doctor. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The way he presents it is that um, the mind gets affected, infected by, you know, these viral words. And there seem to be different trigger words for different people. But at one point, we learned that terms of endearment are, mm-hmm. are potential trigger words. Which is big because um, Valentine's also, Day this is happening on. Yeah, yeah. But of course, when, um, when um, Sid ends up getting infected, the word that she's fixating on is kill. So I suspect that it's not just um, terms of endearment, but any deep-seated, any word that causes a deep-seated emotional reaction. Yeah. Which makes sense because they had just or, participated in the killing of the girl who attacked them, and she's just horrified by yeah. what she did. Yeah. So if, if you have this infection which taps into the mind, um, and triggers on deep emotional trauma or, you know, love, um, then that produces a physical response. So, okay, I agree. That's a little iffy, but it's not unknown for the psychosomatic um, bond between mind, understanding, and body. And the body then begins to react, and the body that goes into typical zombie mode with the kicker that if the the newly infected person can't find somebody else to infect, they end up um, spewing gore from their mouth. That Um, was gross. That was my biggest objection moment, though. I got what it was doing, but I'm like, oh, that, I didn't need to see that. But that's, that, that's, that's a said, great, 
that's a great metaphor though. I mean, that, that is. It literally skews. I, it's so good. Sorry, go ahead, Peter. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go for it. <laughs> oh yeah. That said, I mean, um, okay. So I've just discussed the, uh, well, disgusting part of the movie. Um, <laughs> yes. That was Kate's trigger. That was actually not the most disturbing part of the movie for me. Mm-hmm. The most disturbing part of the movie for me came a scene or two later when um, our two heroes were forced to kill someone out of self-defense. That was yeah. the most mm-hmm. difficult part for me. But thankfully, it took place mostly off screen. Mm-hmm. All we had to go with, again, were the sound effects. So again, it was the mind producing the action. We weren't shown in graphic detail which again um, makes me respect Bruce McDonald, the director, and also Tony Burgess, the author, that much more. Tony Burgess, by the way, he wrote the novel that the movie was based on. He also helped with the screenplay and he showed up on screen for about five oh. minutes. Who was he? He was one of the singer. He was one of the singers. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I was gonna ask you guys about that and, scene because that, that was way out of place. And I was like curious. I had to ask Peter when we were watching, like, what was that about? Because obviously, can, can, we'll get back to us. Peter, put a pen in it for a second. Remember where you were. Can you remember where you were in the middle? Because I, I need to ask, because we're what, what was that? What was that meaning? Because they were obviously um, not of any kind of Middle Eastern descent, right? They're in the, and they were, they were, they were like, dressed like they were. Yeah, they were not, not quite blackface, yeah. but close. That kind brown of face, like, brown yeah. face, yeah. It was so like, what, what happened? I'm like, wait, that's not okay. Yeah, what was that? What was that about? Can we, can we explain a little bit about okay. what that was? Is that a cultural thing? I just wasn't um, What, now I, I didn't go back to double check, but the impression that I got after having seen this numerous times, Sid, Sydney, Sydney Breyer, the station manager, did give a little bit of info to Grant Massey, the DJ, yeah. that these people are here. And so the way I interpreted that whole scene is that they were part of a local theater group. Okay, right. we're talking Pontypool. We're talking small town yeah. Ontario. Um, white is white. Very rural. And so maybe, maybe it was, yeah, but maybe it was like a community theater group or like um, maybe yeah. even a church group that was putting on this play. And the yeah. play was Lawrence of Arabia. So of course they dressed up like Arabs. Right. <clears throat> yes. Or at least a very rural white Christian idea of an St- Arab. Stereotypical. Uh, yes. To, to which is max. also kind of funny because the actual movie Lawrence of Arabia has people like Alice, Alec Guinness in it who are like painted to play that role. So there's this True. weird kind of resonance. But anyway, go on, Peter. Yep. And so anyway, um, they show up t- to the radio station to do a promotional bit for the, the play that they're presenting. Mm. That's how I read that otherwise inexplicable uh, cameo. It's very strange. It's a very strange moment in the movie. He has no interest in it. And at the beginning, I didn't think anything of it. But then the connection, of course, is that one of the girls starts to... That's one of the first... uh, Yeah, realizations we have that you become uh, infatuated with word. Like you just repeat word over and over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Okay. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you, Peter. You were in the middle of a thought, but I, I just wanted to clarify that. So continue, please, if you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just saying that, uh, again, um, most of the movie is not a, uh, you know, gore fest. It's, <laughs> it relies on the imagination of the viewer to yeah. really fill in the details. And that's where I was going with that. And that 
again, is one of the reasons that I thought that this would be a suitable horror movie to recommend to my beloved wife, who is not into gore at all. This, by mm. the way, is the third horror movie that I've recommended to her, which she has enjoyed. I am Good three job. for three. In your face, Chris. Yeah, no, trust me. <laughs> hey. I I am not good at this. That's the reason why I said yes to Ponty Pool and yes to Kate. Not not blaming it on me if she didn't like it. Okay, Kate. Anything else you want to say? There's a couple of things that we want to. I want to talk about the end credit stinger. Yes, well, we will get to that. But is there anything yeah. else before? Because I I've got a few things that is related to that end credit stinger that I want to mention. But Kate, anything else that okay. we discuss before we get there? Um, I just wanted to make a amusing comment that a zombie film with brains is kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh, not not like eating the brains, but it's smart. I, yep. I see what you did there, Kate. I see yep. what you did and I appreciated it. Um, I do like that this taps into a universal fear of the unknown of what's happening, of not being able to interpret what's going on in the world around us. I think that to me, that's, a support for horror that makes sense to me whenever it does it in a way that puts you in that position of I don't know what's true I don't know what's real it's a very relatable experience very universal experience what I was gonna actually what I was gonna say and to add to that point Kate is that Mm -hmm. for a moment when I didn't know where they were going with it I thought this was gonna be a tower of babel situation where mm-hmm. every is going to be that no one understood anyone else like mm-hmm. it, i felt like that's they were going to be speaking different you know like it was going to be sound like gibberish and i understand right. what i'm saying but you don't understand what i'm saying i thought that's where we were going with it it didn't end up that way but i have a feeling there's a there's a good horror movie there because this felt like this could this could very easily you know go down that rabbit hole yeah speaking tower of babel sorry kate um have either of you read the novel Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson? It's on my list, but I haven't yet. No, I have not. Okay. Um, Kate actually found a reference that um, the novel Snow Crash just shows up kind of in the background at, during the course of the movie, which I had missed. Um, but I did read Snow Crash quite a while back. And okay, in addition to all the cyberpunk stuff, it also is um, has a brain virus which spreads through language, oh. and um, this this brain virus is spread, and the people end up speaking ancient Sumerian, which um, <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah, and um, so the 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 premise of Snow Crash, at least in that part of the story, uh, which is it's a big novel, it's lots of fun, um, is that prior to the uh, scattering of the languages as recorded yeah. in numerous cultures in their Tower of Babel stories, yes. um, people were speaking Sumerian. Um, so this yeah. whole brain virus thing, and I mean, it's set in Canada in the winter, so there's the snow and yeah, anyway, I just wanted to point that out and thanks to Kate for showing me that snow crash connection. Absolutely. Nice. Um, so I have a minor comment, but then two threads that I think might be interesting to pursue with you guys. That first minor comment is that the radio lab is in the basement of a church, mm-hmm. which I did not actually catch until my second watch of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, oh yeah, there's oh. a pew and other random things. Somehow I just missed that the first time. Yep. Uh, and so the word coming from a church 
was just an interesting thing. Um, so of the two threads, when, that when I you had, say that, when you say that the word, the word you're talking about the word, or you're talking about God, because God is oftentimes in word, right? Like that is the same, like logos, right? God, the word. Okay, sorry, because Jesus is oftentimes. Your- referred right. to as the word made flesh, right? So, sorry, continue. Absolutely. Yes. So I meant that in the sense of words creating reality, that kind yes. of connection. So, yep. yes. Um, so the first of the two threads that I thought would be um, interesting to follow is, um, is the radio station, is the show actually in part responsible for the spread of the virus? Like, the longer that Grant is on the show, are they spreading the virus? Because he, especially early on in the show, is particularly trying to ramp it up to create loyal listenership by manufacturing drama for people. And so that would be emotional content right there. And so I was curious what you guys thought of that. The the thing that that I think you're probably right on, but is it more than like in my, it, from what, I was a little confused with the setup, but I think... I understand that maybe the the beginning of it was actually from the broadcast we hear at the beginning of the um, the, the, the one about the cat that's missing the cat honey um, so so there's this poster that is, is apparently everywhere right and so maybe people are seeing that and that is what's spreading it and he's talking about it and so everybody is thinking about this one. Thing, this one cat, this one, and then that is what begins to to kind of carry the virus. Because again, typo, the very beginning, we're hearing this rebroadcast of the day before's show, right? He's listening to himself as he's on the way to start the show again. And mm-hmm. we realize that more than likely the woman that he meets at the very beginning is infected, um, or at least maybe that's what we're... Mm-hmm. So it, I don't think it starts when he gets on the air, but perhaps it has already started from yesterday's rebroadcast is what it has, what it seemed to so me. So it starts there, but is the broadcast continuing it and spreading it? I'm not sure. Well, it's hard and, to tell. Well, when their broadcast is interrupted by that um, French broadcast, yeah, which true. then Laurel Ann translates, they tell people uh, to avoid terms of endearment and in fact avoid rhetorical discourse and in fact it's best not to talk at all and then the kicker do not translate this message into english which they do over the air into english yeah and so in that sense by that point they even discuss well should they continue broadcasting or should they just flip to muzak but Grant Massey decides that, no, the people have to know what's going on. So mm-hmm. in that decision there, they have at least made themselves a potential vector for spreading this linguistic virus. Mm. Even though it, yeah, and e- even though it goes against what most people would say is that like, no, like it's important, you know what I mean? But in that action, yeah. it may actually be making things worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then towards the very end, when we he- hear the helicopters overhead and there's uh, somebody using a PA system to address them, they're told to stop broadcasting. Yes. Yeah. But they continue. Yes. Until the bitter end and the literally the last shot before the credits is her winning in to kiss him, kisses kill. Yes. Yep. 
Exactly. <laughs> the bomb falls. Okay. My other or question is it? <laughs> well, that's true. My other question then is the people who are infected, they're like, they're seeking people who are using words. They're like crude signal seeking voices. I think uh, Grant or maybe the doctor says at some point in time. Um, so we have that going on, but then we also have this whole idea that is brought forth by Sydney of what you do and don't say on air. What is okay to say on air? You don't want people to die on air. You don't admit that Ken is actually a pedophile on air and that's his obituary. Like what we do and don't say was, I thought like a sub thread going through the first act before you really know what matters and what's going on. And I was curious if you guys had any thoughts about that. That's fascinating. I don't have like off the top of my head. I, that is true. I mean, that is, that is definitely a major points being made, Mm -hmm. especially in her character. Like her character is we need to be, whatever we say, we need to know that it's the truth, right? We, and we and don't care want how it affects people in town. Right, exactly, yeah. Because if we yeah. say one thing, it could be, and she's also concerned that the one guy who was calling in was giving away his location. Um, right. Like, yeah. no, don't do that. Like, yes, it's true, yes, but that's that could be not good for him. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that's true. That is, that's the truth isn't always a good thing. True. Although, of course, in the case of Ken Loney, who was there on the spot reporter, it didn't really matter, as we find out later, because the people hearing his voice were no longer capable of rational thought. Mm-hmm. But she did have a valid point. that He was giving away his location on, on air because yes. Grant had asked him to. Right. As it turns out, he got lucky, sort of, and <laughs> was, not immedi- was not immediately swarmed. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Kate, to answer your question, that hadn't really occurred to me. But then, yeah, once you mentioned that, um, there was in the first uh, act, um, Grant was trying to rile up people by talking about that uh, fishing hut incident and started mocking the Ontario Provincial Police Officers, OPP, as being drunk on the job. Mm-hmm. And then off air, Sydney tells him that, in fact, one of them is an alcoholic and trying to hang on to his job. The other is her ex-brother-in-law, and he's also, and Grant is like, oh. So all of a sudden, he is confronted with the reality of taking responsibility for what comes out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the ratings. And uh, some of the backstory of Grant that we get from the phone call that he gets from his agent as he's driving into work, um, he did have a job that he got fired from. And we see later on that the agent is calling in from Toronto, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's a 416 area code that he's calling into. And in the meantime, Grant is stuck in this frigid, barren wasteland of rural Ontario. affective disorder. (laughs) Yeah, he does not Mm -hmm. want to be there, but he has managed to get enough people riled up to lose his job and that's the only place that he could get work. Wow, this guy has a mouth on him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his, his mouth has already gotten him in trouble. Um, and now it's gonna get him in any more, even more trouble, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good point. I like it, I like it all. Anything else, Kate, there? Did you wanna give us your thought on it or anything else? Um, I mean, I think, the way Peter pulled it out, I think that makes some really good points there. Um, I think that um, 
we as human beings in a way the reason why i started with the whole crude signal seeking voices thing going on was that in a way when we feed those those voices that give us sensational information we are creating a reality and perhaps harm with that and so that seemed to be a bit of subtext built in there to me absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely and this is a perfect segue into what i'm would like to talk about, which is the okay. end, the end title sequence, and so them, not, trippy. them them not going far enough. Because <laughs> I think I think what you're saying would have been so cool, specifically when the doctor just pops in. Yeah, through, um, he crawls in through a window. He call, crawls into the window, and then they they have outside information for the very first time in mm-hmm. in the film, like face to face you know so like an actual yeah flesh and blood person um and um so they they have all that and then they get stuck in like a a a closet or whatever it is for a while trying to hide from the zombies the the two main characters right they've Um, invaded the radio studio and what what there's a moment there that i realized and i i should go back and watch it again and maybe you guys can too um, where they're having a conversation and then that conversation is actually written on the wall. Did you guys mm-hmm. notice this? Kind of, yeah, well, kind part of, of it. My, most of the writing on the wall was Sydney. She was basically yeah. writing her last will and testament because by then she was well into that bottle of Glenfiddich. Yeah. Right, but it was even more than that. It was literally the, the, the entire wall that uh-huh. they were there was written yeah. on. And it was the yeah. the conversation that they were already having. So, oh, I didn't. I saw all the text. I didn't realize that when, much of it mirrored what they were saying. I was like, "What is this not actually happening? Like, maybe this is, or or they have done what I was hoping they would do, which is create a new reality. My my whole hope was they were gonna like go full trip." And like, we were going to start like pulling stuff out, like, right, right, because things suddenly did not make any sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the only way, so the way that I took the end, the end is, and you guys tell me if, how how you guys took the end title sequence. But the point of the movie is, is that, like we said before, once you understand the, the, the word that infects you, you have to reconnect it with something that doesn't make any sense. Right. That just... It, because that's the only way that you kills will kiss. get away. Kill his kiss, right? You'll, that's the only way you'll be able to get away. So the ending was inoculating the audience from what they had just witnessed. Because otherwise you might walk away from this movie thinking about it too much. And if you think about it too much, you'll do an hour-long podcast on it and become <laughs> with it. And so what they want you to do so is wait, they are want... we spreading it by... That's what I'm... Yes! <laughs> that's what, so, but, but at the very end it's literally nonsense. It is, Mm. it makes no sense because it's inoculating us saying, okay, you've watched that. You've understood it. Now we're inoculating you with something absolutely, utterly, completely, and totally ridiculous. And And go about your day. And now you can go about your day because that is what you'll talk about rather than what was happening before. So that's the way that I took it. I thought it was brilliant and I freaking Mm. loved it. And I was like, you guys, that's the that's what the that's what the third act of this movie should have been like the slow you know like things popping up out of no like what why is that that, did you see that and then like no you know like these weird like moments of reality 
breaking. And then at the very mm -hmm. end, we get that like full payoff. I wish they would have done a little bit more of leaning harder into that idea because I think it's kind of brilliant. So I have some good news for you, my friend. Yes. Okay. Pontypool released in 2008. Yes. In 2019, uh, the team of Bruce McDonald and Tony Burgess got together and wrote a movie called Dreamland. And it stars, amongst others, Stephen McCaddy as Johnny Deadeyes and Lisa Houle as Lisa the Killer. Nice. It, uh, it debuted on streaming platforms in May of this year. Um, Hulu and I think... Uh, maybe Disney Plus and a couple of others, but if you go to justwatch.com, you'll, you'll be able to find that out. So if you want that bizarre reality warping movie, there you have it. I haven't watched it yet, but I've got plans for it, and maybe, maybe I might find uh, a certain somebody to watch it with me. Kate? <laughs> I do believe that's possible. I like it. I like it. Well, that's cool. I had no idea uh, that that first of all i didn't know that there was that kind of following of the, the filmmaker i did look a little bit in his other stuff and i did see them mention that but i didn't i didn't think in terms of so are those are the two characters from the first like is it connected or same not? actors same actors and the same names the names that they gave themselves in that stinger were johnny dead eyes and yes. lisa the killer Yes. Which is how I found that about Dreamland because I looked those up going, all right, what is this a reference to? Because I'm not getting the reference. And that's how I found out there was another movie. Amazing. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it and I'll watch it. That sounds absolutely incredible. <laughs> I just I just liked I liked that. I I, I felt but that, that's what I mean by I didn't feel like it went far enough. Like I wanted mm -hmm. it to be fully weird and crazy and nuts and like but I just I felt like they they pulled their punches just a little bit and it left me I guess more confused for that. I wish I wish it would have mm. just been a little bit more nuts, so that I could have like really read into it. Or it just felt like they wanted their cake and needed it too. They wanted it to be based more in reality, and at the very end, they did their crazy. Um, so anyway, that that's just that's, the way I felt. That's a fair point, Chris, because I well, I didn't see it that way when I watched it, but now that you laid out that way, I'm like, okay, I I really see that point. Yeah, I, I just I, I like weird movies, and if this is to me, it's a weird movie. It, it's a good, it's good weird. I don't mean bad weird. I just you like yeah. weird movies. Yes, I'm just I love weird okay. Movies. All right. Well, in that case, I know exactly what I'm giving you whenever we do our major watch episode. Oh, good. All right, fantastic. And Peter knows <laughs> what down. it is because he watched it with me. So that's all I'm going to say. Write about it, it down. Write it down. I I love watching weird movies. Uh, sometimes I don't like them, but oftentimes I do. Like the like Mother. I, mm -hmm. they're, they're, the people hate that movie. There's a lot of awful in it. Kate, you will hate that movie if you ever watch <laughs> it. But I don't watch it. Don't, yes, Kate, please don't watch it. It is, it is definitely <laughs> in your, yeah, it's not good. But it's I, in my no no box. I, I while the experience, <laughs> yeah, the no no box, the, the, my experience watching that movie was almost life changing for me. I, I, it blew my mind on every single level. I was like, at first I didn't know what I was watching and then there was a moment that happened and I suddenly realized, well, if that's what it is, if that's the allegory that they're telling, then this will happen next. And that thing happened next. And I was like, oh, I'm watching that. And then it just <laughs> kept happening. And I was like, oh, this is, a, this is my favorite movie. Um, so anyway. anyway. Wow. What a great advertisement. I can't watch I, it. No, you would, I would not recommend you watch it. Good, Peter. I do want to bring it back for a moment to Please. Pontypool. Please and, do that, yes. Um, <laughs> just, 
Okay. In the end credits, um, there's, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of audio clips from various mm -hmm. people. Yes. And this is where a little bit of background Canadian knowledge helps mm. because we know that Pontypool, like from, from the movie, we know that Pontypool is about 100 kilometers, that's 60 miles, away from Toronto. And then in the um, audio clips during the credits, we hear one person um, call in to say it's a news report from Peterborough, Ontario, which is closer to Toronto than the fictional Pontypool is. And this report is saying that as of 10 a.m. this morning, there have been reports of widespread unrest and violence, mm. but uh, we are not sure if this is connected to the Pontypool incident of February the 14th, which implies that it was not contained in Pontypool, that it is spreading, and that in fact, it is spreading towards Toronto, which if you take the greater Toronto area, like Toronto and the surrounding uh, urban region, uh, it's about 5 million people. So this has the potential to, in fact, be a Canadian apocalypse. But then the very last audio clip is from the BBC. And they turn to news from Kandahar to, and now news from the small Ontario town of Pontypool. 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 So this virus, whatever it is, is now transatlantic it has started to infect people in the UK and anyone who happens to be listening to the BBC potentially. Yep. Was that for a stinger? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, that was, I, I, it was wonderful. It was good. It felt very like Dawn of the Dead esque kind of the mm -hmm. way that those, those, those trying to make the world a little bit bigger afterwards, like this little small thing happened, but it does have larger implications. Well, guys, I feel like, We've done it. Um, yeah. Anything else, Kate, Peter, you want to say before uh, we before we wrap up? I just want to say um, thank you, Chris, for making Peter do the choice, which is not a knock against your choices, but it worked out really well. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderful insult for me and a, and a great compliment to Peter. So I'm doing great. That's great. Peter, were you about to say something? I uh, yeah, I did just want to, like, I ended up going back just before we went on air and listening to both the opening monologue and the closing monologue, both from Grant Massey, because these really frame the movie. And in that opening monologue that he's listening to on his way in, you know, it's a rebroadcast, he quotes Norman Mailer and talking about, you know, um, how these things seem to take on greater significance afterwards. Yes. And then he quote, goes on to say, what does it mean? What does it mean? Something is going to happen. Something big. But then something's always about to happen. So it's kind of building it up in the context of uh, Norman Mailer's contact, uh, comments on JFK assassination. But then it also kind of deflates it. And then at the very end, as he's doing his final last Howard Beale rant over the air, um, he says, um, well, first he addresses the military. You gotta stop killing people. You're killing scared people and that's what you do every day. But then he winds up saying, you know, it's just another day. We woke up here in Pontypool. It's not the end of the world. It's just the end of the day. Kind of emphasizing the same kind of build up and then letdown that he had in the very opening monologue. Something mm -hmm. big, but no, it's really just every day as usual. And that might be the best metaphor in the entire movie. Um, we're all living in the stories we tell ourselves. Mm 
and we're all the central character in these stories. But at the end of the day, you know, so is everybody else. Mm -hmm. And any one story is not really any more important than any other story. I don't know. I just thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And we can tell a new story tomorrow too, if we want to, because yeah. I, 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 yes. I love that. I love that. It's great. We're a really great way to, to end the conversation, frame it mm-hmm. up for us. And uh, yeah. Thank you, Peter, for joining us. Really appreciate it. It was great. It was a pleasure. Kate, take us home. Alrighty. Uh, you can find us at Geek Card Check on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time. Do we really want to provide a genocide with elevator music?